This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's good? It's Blair Angulo from the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are about to chat with Andrew Ivins. He covers recruiting out in the state of Florida. Uh, We will discuss some of the conference scheduling and how it could affect recruiting heading into the early signing period in December. We are also going to discuss the official offers that went out on August 1st. There was a lot of activity out in the Sunshine State over the weekend, as well as two four-star prospects came off the board to SEC schools. And we will wrap it up by previewing a big announcement by five-star defensive tackle Leonard Taylor, who's set to reveal his college choice live on CBS Sports HQ this week. Remember, if you're new here, please subscribe, please rate us and review us. If you leave a five-star Apple podcast review with your recruiting question, you've got a chance to get it answered by our team of analysts at 24-7 Sports. Before we get to Andrew, let's begin with the kickoff. You've seen it by now. The Pac-12 football unity demands as the players of the Pac-12, a select group from Pac-12 universities. They published a list of demands uh, for the protection and the benefit both of scholarship and walk-on athletes at these Pac-12 schools. And it's going to be interesting to monitor the effect and the overall outcome of some of these demands from a recruiting standpoint, right? So let's say some of these demands are met and it really kind of allows these Pac-12 schools to continue to market themselves as a destination for recruits. Uh, we, we saw it with the name, image, and likeness early on as the state of California was at the forefront of, of those charges. And it then forced a lot of these other states across the country to move towards a similar vision and an aim to really allow some of these college prospects to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. Now, some of these demands, obviously, from the Pac-12 players uh, in terms of COVID-19 with the health and safety protections, with the preservation of all existing varsity sports, uh, as well as a call to end racial injustice in college sports, and then giving some of these players the economic freedom to pursue their name, image, and likeness. I think if the Pac-12 players make any headway and actually get some of these demands met, uh, it could help the pactual programs recruit talent and recruit players and say, Hey, you know, when you come to this conference, when you play for one of these institutions, your voice is heard and you will be at the forefront of, of change in college sports and college football. I don't think anyone knows what that will look like or, or whether or not this actually comes to be, but I think it's a positive step for some of these players. I wanted to take a stand um, and then it could have some potential ramifications in the future. We are now joined by Andrew Ivins. He covers recruiting in the state of Florida for 24-7 Sports. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Survived uh, a hurricane scare over the weekend. Now I got a thunderstorm going on in my, in, my, uh, <laughs> in my backyard. So if there's any lightning on this podcast, that's why. 
I guess when you sum it up, you're doing you're doing okay. You're doing fine. I mean, yeah. surviving a hurricane's a, a big deal. Um, <laughs> I've never, you know, we touched on it last week on our mailbag episode. I've never had to deal with that uh, as much or as prevalent as, as you guys do out out in Florida or out in the East Coast. And obviously, we're sending everyone's thoughts thoughts uh, with, with you know the people out in, in the Carolinas and and up and down the East Coast, especially now that hurricane season is upon us. But I was in Washington D.C. once for her when Hurricane Sandy rolled through um, and I was out there on vacation and it, this was all new to me and we went to the store to buy water and everything was gone and I I, I was thrown for a loop so I, I could only imagine what that's like for you every week. Yeah, I know. I mean, thankfully it uh, missed the state of Florida, but I think the big concern is this, um, this, it, this is the earliest like we've had a threat in a while. So they're, they're anticipating a big season. So I guess we'll just kind of wait and see. Yeah, well, hopefully everything turns out well. We we wanted to have you on the the podcast this week because you had a, a pretty detailed and interesting look at some of the conference championship games based on the revised schedules that have come out from the ACC, the SEC, uh, the Pac-12 also put out a, a, a conference schedule, and they are now, I guess, allowing us to have a clearer understanding and a picture of what that could look like later on in the year uh, after the fall season and and heading into recruiting and, and kind of the crunch time of the early signing period, which is set for middle of for the middle of December. And that would coincide with a lot of these conference championship games. Give us kind of a, a breakdown of, of what that could look like and and maybe some of the headaches that it could cause for some of these college coaches. Right. So if pre-coronavirus or just a regular year, um, your conference championship games would normally be played that first weekend of December. But now that teams, or I should say conferences, are are anticipating maybe some delays or um, aren't eager to get things started as fastly, uh, the conference title games have gotten pushed further and further back. And kind of right now where things stand, the SDC title game, Um, would come the week of the early signing period. And why is that a big deal? Well, the early signing period, like that is one of the most stressful weeks you could have for uh, a college coaching staff. And so now you have to juggle um, securing national letter of intents, winning some last minute recruiting battles over the phone while game prepping arguably for your biggest game of the season. And, you know, I sent out some texts to some some different college staffers and coaches, and they're all like, well, we, we absolutely want to be playing in that title game. At the end of the day, that's going to do more for us. And I think they're, they're right. It's just going to create um, a bit of an interesting scenario, I think. I mean, what kind of got my thought process going on this is I knew uh, a few recruiting assistants who have been at some group of five schools that played in like a bowl game the night before the early signing period. Remember college bowl season starts so early and they said it's an absolute mess. Like the next morning um, they're by themselves receiving faxes. So I just think it's an interesting storyline to kind of follow. And really um, I want to know if this is enough to maybe push that early signing period um, back to January or eliminate it altogether just because um you know, now now we have games going on at, at the same time, and uh, I, I don't think anyone wants to do that. But it's certainly something that um, could be discussed or, or thought about. 
Yeah, I don't think college coaches want the early signing period pushback. I don't think recruits and their families want it pushback. I mean, we've seen a record number of commitments at this time of the year already, right, in the 2021 cycle. So that speaks to the want uh, of the recruits and and just the willingness to come off the board and get the recruiting process over and done with. So I think everyone is assuming that the early signing period is going to happen uh, at the traditional time, at the normal time of mid December. And right now, I think we are awaiting the uh, the NCAA Division One committee's word on on what trips could happen and and whether or not the recruiting dead period will be lifted at the end of the, of this month. Uh, the most recent update was that it would it was the recruiting dead period would be extended through the end of August. So, you know, right now as things stand, I'm not sure we're anticipating official visits to happen as soon as the season kicks off or whether or not travel or, or on-campus trips or in-person meetings are allowed. Uh, but I think now, I think college coaches and recruits have had enough time to really uh, you know, find a way to to kind of meet in the middle, right? Where there are recruits that are now taking visits to campuses, but they have an itinerary that they got from a coach about all the places they should hit on on, on campus or in the city or where to eat or what what building to go see or what facility to check out. Uh, I think everyone has adjusted. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting once we get a clearer understanding of what that's going to look like uh, and 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 how recruits can go about going and checking out some of these options because the, the ones that haven't committed yet are, are still waiting and hoping to be able to look at maybe some of the new offers that they got or some of the new relationships they started to build with coaches. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. If, they are, if there are no official visits, Andrew, what, what do you think – uh, that could look like heading into the early signing period. Are we are are we entering you know kind of a, a uncharted territory in terms of what and what will not be allowed? Uh, I, who knows? I mean, I'll I'll start with this. Like fingers crossed, we get uh, official visits. And I think you got to think of the prospective student athlete here. Like most of these kids who have been exposed to the recruiting process over the years, like everyone knows, you take your official visits and then you sign. So. Uh, it's unfortunate that a lot of them could be uh, losing that experience, uh, but it it kind of is what it is. I mean, let's say that official visits get the green light. How many colleges are going to want to bring a recruit and his family um, around a team or in the locker room when you are trying to ensure that there isn't a potential outbreak um, where, where, where you have to have players sit out? So. Uh, maybe official visits just go all virtual or or you're, you're split away. I mean, maybe they're sending cookie cakes to kids' homes. Like they would <laughs> yes, <in> a- <laughs> I'm all about that. Send, send a goodie bag, right, with, with uh, your Funyuns and your Twizzlers and your Reese's Pieces and then send the cookie cake with the, with the frosting written out on the player and the number and, and, and all, the, the, all the decorations that we see given, you know, when, when a recruit arrives on an official visit and everything's laid out on his hotel bed. Uh, you know, send him maybe a, a name badge that he can wear around the house. <laughs> uh, send him uh, maybe a, a playbook, right, or, or some place to look for during the game. Uh, give him a give him a seat in the virtual virtual team uh, meeting, right? I mean, there's just so much that they can go and and a direction. And in, in, in case official visits aren't happening, I think there's a lot of different things that they, that that they could do. And I think the schools that have been proactive kind of about throughout this whole 
shutdown or dead period are only going to you know maybe take advantage uh, go back to when this thing all started it's crazy to think about like we thought in march that there was still going to be a spring evaluation period and then when may came around it's like oh there's definitely going to be summer camps right like why wouldn't there be summer camps um so it's just crazy to think how much this is kind of dragged out and i think there's a lot of coaching staffs that um game plan for three months or they, they kind of map things out for three months. Well, we're at that three month mark or that, that five month mark. And it's like, Oh man, this is like the new, new reality. So I think anyone who has been kind of innovative um, and has figured out how to master the zoom call or the FaceTimes is only going to uh, be in a, at an advantage right now. You know, those videos that they put, you know, they, they hook up a GoPro on top of a player's helmet and they're running out the tunnel and all that stuff. They should have one that's live and that's only that only that recruit or, or, or whoever's on an official visit has access to. Uh, that would be really cool if that's allowed. Uh, no, something like that, right? Where they have it on a walk-on's helmet and he's just on the sideline throughout the game. He's not going to go into the action. So there's no uh, risk or anything for injury for the GoPro getting in harm's way of people or whatever. Uh, I think that would be a nice little wrinkle if they allow stuff. And, and, and given the fact that if they do not allow in-person official visits, they should be able to really stretch out the, the parameters, right? And, and the restrictions uh, and really give some of these players and their families an up and close look at the program as much as possible from a virtual standpoint. Yeah. And, and I also want to add, I mean, let's say that official visits are a, a no-go um, come November, December or, or whatever it is. I mean, that doesn't mean later on, you know, in March or, or April that these, these staffs can't, you know, bring these kids in on, on official visits after they've signed. Like I know the Miami hurricanes, they did that this past year. Like they were hoping to bring a kid in during the early signing period, said kids team made the state finals and then it just didn't work out. So they kind of redid it later on. So um, I think that's a scenario that could play out as well. Yeah. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I think this is a problem that a lot of college coaches would want to have in December, right? Figuring out how to juggle the early signing period while preparing for a conference championship game. I think they would all sign up for that, just knowing that they'd be in the conference championship game. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a, a very interesting wrinkle to, to monitor, uh, especially given the circumstances, because we don't know what that's going to look like. So we will be right back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by Andrew Ivins. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew underscore Ivins. He covers recruiting in the state of Florida, and he may or may not have received an official offer this past weekend. I mean, the, those things were flying, Andrew. Uh, August 1st is the first day that official offers are allowed to be sent out in writing, uh, making the verbal offer a a concrete thing, right? A, a realistic thing that now uh, some of these players that have committed or some of these players that have gotten offers, they, they get the, 
the the actual offer in writing. Uh, and it's always a, a really cool time for a lot of the recruits that have worked so hard to to get it. Uh, and it's always a fun time for our timelines on Twitter while we're monitoring everything and keeping track of all the recruits and, and how they're sending out their offers. And you, you kind of see the creativity uh, and, and maybe the, the lack of creativity from some of these college programs. Uh, you know, we see a lot of bad Photoshop work <laughs> as well, which is a, a bummer for some of these staff. So the graphics that they send out. But we did want to highlight two that stuck out to us uh, in particular. Uh, Andrew, I'll let you go first. Yeah. So I, I think like August 1st, like the take of your high school coach or just in the recruiting community is this will be the day, uh, a reality check for a lot of people because those those kids who think they have an offer uh, offer from some school, if the, well, if they don't get that that scholarship offer, you, I mean, you don't, you don't really have anything. You just have a uh, a verbal agreement. So it is an exciting day. And one school that I thought really stood out to me was Kansas. Um, and what they did is Kansas is an Adidas school. They took kind of that Adidas trademark baby blue shoe box and made it like a four piece different graphic. Um, and it was just really cool. And I, I thought unique, you know, obviously your Alabama's, your LSU's, your Georgia's, your Oklahoma's, you're, they're all going to have uh, top of the line graphics, but I thought it was an interesting kind of idea to come from Kansas, and they seem to have been very ahead of the curve during this whole uh, pandemic and whatnot. I mean, a couple months ago, they did, they were one of the first schools to do a virtual junior day. So uh, I think Les Miles deserves some credit for for what they kind of got going on there. And look, man, like graphics are super important right now. A lot of people don't think they are, but um, you know, just with not the ability to uh, meet with college coaching staffs, m- much of what these kids see is virtually. And it's all about kind of identifying and building a, a brand online. And I think, you know, Kansas needs a little, little, little credit, but there was some really, really cool and, and different things out there. Yeah. If we're entering the name, image, and likeness era, right? Uh, I think branding and and kind of getting your, your name out there and and really maybe kind of putting yourself out there as, as a brand. Uh, I think a lot of players do care about the graphics, right? And they care about the edits and they care about having a photo of themselves maybe in, in, in the jersey or what that's going to look like. I think it's very important to, to some of these recruits to visualize it. And I think we see it with, with some of these colleges and how they try to to approach the the process of, of sending out the graphics, sending out the edits, um, and, and really kind of enticing some of these recruits. The one that I, that I wanted to point out uh, was from Michigan. Uh, you know, they they have obviously you know maybe caught some slack uh, over the last few years, given Harbaugh's antics on the recruiting trail. Right, we <laughs> we had him climbing trees a couple years ago to 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 get a recruit out in Pasadena, David Long, who's now at the at, with the LA Rams. Uh, we had him sleeping over uh, recruits home to kind of maximize the amount of time he would be there and then, you know, facilitate the next visit the following day. I mean, uh, we've sent him doing the, the satellite camp shirtless and all that stuff. I mean, the, the headlines he's grabbed over the years are, are obviously very unique to Jim Harbaugh. And, and I think now with the official offers that they sent out on August 1st, the, the thing that stuck out to me was 
it, it was very generic, right? It was kind of the, the official scholarship offer looked like an admittance letter that you would receive from whatever college. It, it has just a Michigan helmet on there and, and it has, you know, the, the, the contingencies, the, you know, this is what you need to do in, 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 the, in the classroom. This is uh, what your offer kind of entails. But they had a separate attachment that I thought was really um, interesting. And I think it might lead to more schools doing this. And it was called the medical assurance. And I'm going to read a little bit of it. It said, dear recruits name, when you make a public commitment to the University of Michigan, we want to provide any and all assurances that we are committed to you as well. Should anything happen to you medically that would put your athletic career at risk, we, your football family, will honor your commitment and your full athletic scholarship will still be intact. We acknowledge that you would have shut down your recruitment and stopped visiting other schools. So accordingly, we want to make you this pledge. And then Jim Harbaugh signs it to end it. So I think that right there adds uh, something very authentic to not only Harbaugh, but also Michigan, right? Where they're backing up the recruit and and, and kind of giving him the the faith, right? And, 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 and honoring the fact that he's committed. I know a lot of these recruits commit before their season just in case they get injured. They don't want some of these scholarship offers to come off the table. Uh, so when a recruit commits to Michigan, I think they want to make the statement and saying, all right, well, we, we, you know, we really appreciate you believing in us and now we're going to believe in you. I, I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just, where we are with college sports, I think this is going to be something more and more, um, players like one in writing in terms of insurance. If you're a recruit, I, I mean, most of these recruits, they, they all think they're going to the NFL, uh, but you would like to think some people inside their camp realize that, um, you know, the odds are most likely against most of these kids to make it that far, to make it to the next level, the highest level of football. So uh, I, I, thought, I thought it was real interesting for Michigan to do that. And it, I want to see if more schools kind of, you know, take, take, follow their lead. Uh, and if any, any recruits start asking for that, kind of moving forward because I think it's it's assured but not often is in you know in writing like that yeah uh, we are joined by Andrew Ivins he covers recruiting in the Sunshine State you could follow him on Twitter at Andrew underscore Ivins Andrew there was a lot of activity over the weekend uh, out in the state of Florida a couple commitments from two composite four-star prospects let's start with defensive tackle Marquise Robinson from Milton Florida he came off the board to Auburn yeah up in the panhandle the state's panhandle uh Kind of this recruitment was viewed as a Florida State Auburn battle. I know Keith Niebuhr, who is our Auburn insider, had him kind of pegged the Tigers throughout. He finally ended up making it an official. Uh, he's a guy we have as as a high three star, so maybe not as high on him as the uh, rest of the industry. But I think it's a good get. Um, you you watch his tape. Uh, he can eat up space in the middle. Um, so, and I think long term, like his best football still probably uh, ahead of him so I think it's a good get for Auburn and man like Gus Malls on they continue to mine the Sunshine State for talent like um, in years because I, I write the Peach State scorecard for us uh, it which is basically centers around Georgia and in, in what who's recruiting that state the best and it seems like Auburn traditionally has always had a ton of success in the Peach State, but this year they're not as active. And I think that's because um, they're just recruiting the Sunshine State so hard uh, and getting guys like Marquise Robinson. They also got 
Tavares Dawson, who's a, a speedy athlete over in, in the Naples area. Uh, Philip O'Brien, who's a corner in, in the Miami Dade or Miami Dade Broward County area. So I think they're doing a real good job just kind of finding some talent and locking kids up here in the state of Florida. Yeah, so Auburn picks up Marquise Robinson, four-star defensive tackle from Milton, Florida. Ole Miss also went into the state of Florida. They went out and got four-star safety Dink Jackson from Melbourne. Uh, what, what do you know about Dink Jackson and, and what he can bring to, to the Ole Miss uh, Rebels? He's an intriguing player. Um, you know, is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? You're not really sure. Uh, ran an 11:04 in the 100 meter dash uh, back in the spring, so I, I that verified speed time is, is pretty impressive. I had some college coaches tell me there's some size, maybe over some some concerns about the size and the frame, but I think he's a guy that you just kind of want on your roster given the amount of spread offenses you're going to face and him just being a, a, a tweener. He's a plays a really violent brand of football. Like for someone who's not 225 pounds, he will come up and smack you. And he's also really not like dangerous uh, on offense with the hands in his ball, but like he can make plays on offense also plays a little wide receiver. So uh, he's one of the better athletes, I think in, in the state. And, if you look at that treasure coast, he's in that Melbourne area. That's that's an area that's, I think, oftentimes maybe overlooked when uh, people talk about the Sunshine State. So it's, it's a good get for Ole Miss. And look, man, Lane Kiffin uh, came from FAU to Ole Miss, so not surprising that uh, the Rebels are, are trying to get active uh, in his old stomping grounds. Yeah, so it sounds like physical development and, and, and kind of that upside, right, that he has in, in terms of his frame and, and whether his his body takes him to linebacker or whether he stays at safety or he, like you even mentioned, he could do some stuff on offense as well. And we've seen Lane Kiffin turn some of these two-way talents into to really good NFL players. Uh, so Dink Jackson, the latest one to join Ole Miss. Before we let you go, Andrew, th- there's a big announcement coming this week. Uh, from Leonard Taylor. He is uh, set to announce his college choice on August 6th, live on CBS Sports HQ. It's a Florida versus Miami battle. Leonard Taylor is the number three rated defensive tackle in the nation, according to the industry-generated 24-7 sports composite. And right now, all nine votes in the crystal ball currently favor the Hurricanes. Yeah, we're going to see what happens um, with Leonard Taylor. I mean... You said he's the number three on the composite. I think he's. We have him as the number one defensive tackle. Meaning we at we at twenty four seven sports. We think very highly of him just because he's so disruptive as a as a pass rusher. And uh, there was a time when I thought there was no way that Leonard Taylor wasn't going to go to Florida. But Miami has done a nice job of really just kind of working the Zoom calls and and and, and talking and selling him on the idea of staying home and playing for his city. So we'll see, like you said, most of the crystal ball picks are on Miami or or all of them, I should say. And that's where mine is. And if Miami were to get him, it would be, uh, it would be huge. Just think about it. They went six and seven last season uh, and they would have two five stars committed because they also got James Williams, the safety out of uh, plantation American heritage. So Manny Diaz and his staff have done an excellent job um, of, making everyone forget about how bad things went last year and really just leaning on relationships and, and selling a vision. 
I think the my favorite part about Miami recruiting well is is the people on Twitter asking if Miami is back. I mean, I I just love it coming from the West Coast and and knowing what Miami was growing up watching college football. Uh, you, you kind of just want Miami to be in the picture, right? You want them to be a, a national presence and kind of be in the mix of these Ohio States, these Oklahomas, these Texas, the Clemsons, the all, all those programs that are now at the top of college football. It just it just feels a little emptier without Miami being up there on it from the on-field perspective right so now that they are doing and, and, and winning some of these recruiting battles I think it's very interesting and it's bright for the future uh, of the hurricane so uh, Andrew thank you so much for joining us your cookie cake is actually in the mail my guy so uh, <laughs> be on the lookout for that I'll be sure to uh, put it on my Instagram story uh, I'll also uh, tweet it out and uh, you know we'll just kind of go from there now Blair thank you big time for having me on man all right Andrew thank you uh, and and stay safe out there in Florida thanks you too All right, so you heard Andrew Ivins last week on our mailbag episode here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. If you want him or any other of our analysts on the 24-7 Sports team, you can make sure to have your recruiting question answered by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.